Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast for your big questions and get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I have move brain. It's a serious condition that affects sure. many people. Sure. Mostly Glenn. If, yes. you're, if you're moving your house, you're, you have move brain. No doubt about it. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. I am creating a lucrative charity to support victims of move brain. Mm. So. Won't you give today? Absolutely. The ribbon is U-Haul yellow. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us, Olive Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I live far enough away that I have not carried one box, and that's a good thing. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're just thankful for you, Lee. <laughs> you can feel the moral support all the way from here. Well... We, it's a big show. We got some great questions. Lee is currently communicating with us via no less than three different Apple devices, which hopefully will Voltron together to create one passable internet. Just a Captain connection. Planet situation. Things Absolutely. are going great, y'all. Yeah. Well. We're living. We're in the half disassembled basement of Glenn's current house as we move to the new one. But none of that matters okay. because we also have an emergency. Whoa! Oh, wait, what? We do. I'm alarmed. That's the correct response. Yes. I'm outraged, Chris. That's <laughs> just how I start now. We, ca- we have, uh, we got somebody slid into our respective DMs on the Twitter. Whoa. And that's what, that's what's bad. A, what's a D- DM? That would be a direct message. Oh. And since they did this on the direct message, and it's not for, instead of just tweeting ass for everyone to see, I will, I will keep the name anonymous. Mm, okay. But someone said, sent a uh, message to myself and Jed that said, I have a coworker who I've got hooked on the podcast. Mm. Very good. You're doing your civic duty. That's right. right. Exposing your coworker to the podcast. But apparently the coworker said that they will pay real money for a, quote, best of legalistic Jed playlist. Ooh. Wow. Okay. Real money. Now, as you're, as you're no, no doubt you're aware, we're always looking for revenue streams here on the podcast. Absolutely we are. So we, we started the idea of a playlist. The problem is it's difficult to monetize a playlist. Right, your playlists exist on your YouTube, your Spotify. These are all free services. You know? Right, you share them. That's that's the idea. Is you just make a playlist and you share it so that just so that people can have it and have like joy and fulfillment in our life. We don't care about any of that. Right, we want the cash. Right. Well, do we want cash or do we want internet dollars? No doubt, we want cash. Because when we started this podcast, you came to me and said, "Will you be on the podcast?" And I said, "Well, what's it pay?" And you said. Internet dollars. Yes. I reiterate, we want cash. Okay. And okay. I, I was like, internet dollars sounds like the wave sounds of the future. Sounds fancy. Yeah. And he's and, and I said, well, how many internet dollars? And he's like, a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we opened. You said, what does it pay? I said, well, it pays in digital dollars. And you responded, what is digital? Right. And then I right. said, internet dollars. Yeah. I didn't have time to explain what is digital. That's <laughs> right. And because who even knows what digital is? Not some kind of Einstein. Yeah. But what happens is, I said, he said, a, a, a thousand digital uh, internet dollars. And I said, you know what? Make it twelve hundred. You got a deal. Okay. You drive a hard bargain, Fitzgerald. So, upsell. Done. So I've been paid in internet dollars all this time. Right. Yeah, That's accruing. They're in escrow. Yes. Yeah. It's all building up. That's the next day. It's in a four hundred one e. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I like it. So yeah. I'm I'm sitting on that 
Right there. Yeah. So I'm wondering, do we want to do internet dollars on this deal? Because that's the big money. Right that's there. the way of the future. We definitely want to be paid in cash, particularly okay. in light of said lie. I mean, conversation that I had with Glenn Lowe those many years ago. But that the, the interest is just stacking up. Right. Don't you worry. Okay. You didn't pay for the you didn't put the down payment on the new house in the internet dollars, did you? No. No. Okay. That's, good. That's a retirement plan. Right <laughs> that's there. good. That's good. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but. So, but we want cash, right. cold, hard, tangible, hold in your hand cash. Yes. Right. And we thought, well, it doesn't really happen much in music nowadays. It's not right. really. But then we had an idea. Mm. I can Uh-oh. credit this to Jed Brewer. The idea of an infomercial selling product. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, am I talking about Time Life Presents, the best of Legalistic Jed? Well, yes, I am. Some of you are old enough to remember the old Time Life collection yeah, infomercials yes. that would be on at two in the morning, where it'd be a scroll of a list of songs, and you know Such the one. Says. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And you know the one you're listening to because it would be in yellow. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. In white. Yeah. yeah. So I think we 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 obviously I want to everyone to engage their brains for other merchandising opportunities, no doubt, right. Lee. <laughs> because I'm judgy, judgy like a Sunday morning. Yeah, nice. that's good. That's nice. good. That's, that's a classic legal list. Certainly a track yeah. list. And you certainly judge you like Sunday morning is right on there. Uh, you'll get classic legalistic Jed hits, such as wearing a hat in church. <laughs> <laughs> such as not buttoning your top button all the way when you come into Sunday school. Yes. Yes. Such as having an NIV Bible. Yes. Such as secular CD showing in the dash of your car. Yeah, that's wow. good. And that's so good. many more legalistic Jed hits. Yeah. And now, of course, uh, this is where uh, our an- anonymous friend, Todd Warren, will uh, be brought to light, who came with the uh, fantastic idea of once you have the Time Life legalistic Jed collection, yeah. you can also have legalistic Jed commemorative plates. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Just. Because you can hang it on the wall, and that disapproving look yeah, will just, just be staring in. down at yeah. you. Well, you can do that. <laughs> or you can also have legalistic Jed regular plates, mm. which are just a picture of Jed with a stern look that just says, gluttony is a sin. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so you're eating your way down, and then right. you see his face di- disapproving you. Exactly. Does he wear the robe on the commemorative plates? Of course. Like, oh, so. sure. Fantastic. Well, here's, here's the thing, though, fellas. I like the classics. Okay. Right. You know, the old school, you know, back in the old days. Sure. Legalistic Jed. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, some of the. When Legalistic Jed recorded on tape. Yes. Yeah, it, right. Yeah. You got the vintage warmth. <laughs> Absolutely. On, on the tape well, with Legalistic Jed, it's vintage coldness. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely right. <laughs> uh, but what I want to know is what would Legalistic Jed think mm. of doing. A compilation of legalistic Jed hits for money mm, to gather wow. filthy lucre mm. uh, for the, for the podcast, Mammon, mm. if you will, Mammon, if you will. Well, Glenjamin, I'm mm. oh, there troubled he is. Okay. by all of these ideas, but most notably, I'd like to begin my judgment by commenting <laughs> on the commemorative. Plates. Oh, I see. To use the parlance of our times. Mm. Our Lord plates has been is very actually clear. pretty old parlance. <laughs> our Lord has been very clear uh, in his prohibition against the creation of graven images. Oh. And the concept, the blasphemous assertion that my image should be used 
in the creation of graven images, mm. um, I find to be offensive in the extreme. I now, believe... blasphemy is using your image on something? <laughs> Did I catch that right? That, uh, yeah. Because that's, uh... that's a term with a pretty specific meaning, like there's the no graven images thing, but... That doesn't just mean no graven images at all. It right, means right. Of God. Right. Matthew, yeah. the Lord says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And that I agree. doesn't really apply to what I said. I agree. Fair enough. Do you disagree, <laughs> Matt, with his, the Bible? His eyebrow is essentially touching his hairline <laughs> at this point. <laughs> that's that's a, a startling sight to behold. Yeah. The love of money, Glenjamin, oh. is the root of all kinds of... Of evil. Yes. And I think you should search your soul to ask why you feel such a need to generate more of this love of money. Right. Do people need to hear the wisdom that uh, I may have at times been a mouthpiece for? Certainly. Right. But why does commerce need to become involved? Well, and, and I, it's, a, it's a valid point. Uh, I was thinking I could buy a whole lot more breath mints and gum. Just mm. chewing gum. Mm. You can't have too much chewing gum. Basically, Nary goes old. Mm. And if uh, if the if the chewing gum it's a market, critical ministry supply. Mm. Yeah, if if the chewing gum market collapses, I'm sitting on chewing gum like you wouldn't believe. You're talking sure. about gum hoarding. That I'm talking about gum hoarding. I'm talking about nest egg. I'm talking mm. about apocalypse. You want gum, you're coming to me. Mm. I'm the gum man. It's my favorite mm. character in Mad Max Fury Road is Gummy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> just a bomb shelter of gum. Yeah, just guys with, I got, you know, I got food and I got seeds and I got gasoline. Oh, Gummy mm. Joe. So you would devote your life to a dime store pursuit of chewing gum when you could be chewing on God's word. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay, there aren't yeah. dime stores anymore. What year is Legalistic Jed in? <laughs> <laughs> well, Legalistic Jed, I, we appreciate you visiting us, as you often do, yeah. uh, so very unannounced and barobed that yes. you are. Um, and it seems like you have a lot of issues with the greed mm, yes. and the commercialism, mm. the filthy lucre. Quite. Um, let me add this detail. Mm. You would get some money. Mm. 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 Now we have a what we have here is a religious person who's mm. very just showy and commercial, right? But some a, a significant portion of this money would go to you. Mm. 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 What would your analysis of this entire operation be now? Our Lord works in mysterious ways, Matthew. Interesting. <laughs> I think it'd be a time for people to be generous. Um, those who sow generously will reap generously. Oh, oh, <laughs> a large I... measure pressed down. Shaken together oh, and see. running over into their laps. The legalistic Jed Best of collection is available from Time Life. <laughs> there, 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 there it is. Are standing by. There it is. One eight eight. You're the worst. <laughs> yep, you're so yes. bad that we needed extra letters. <laughs> and on that utterly unsurprising Christian turnaround, I declare emergency off. Amen. <laughs> That's not also not what that means. I think he's just saying church words at me. That's right. Just saying anything to make you feel bad. Yeah, I lost the ability to feel bad long ago. Yeah. Luckily. Never um, missed it. Nope, never missed it. Now, obviously, at some point, we will want to do the collection of the Best of Legalistic Jed playlist. We want to do the uh, Saturday morning cartoon of Uncle Glenn and Friends mm. hanging out in the playhouse. Um, all sorts we're, of good... we're solving mysteries. Absolutely. Sure, with a mongoose. mongoose. With a mystic mongoose. The mystic mongoose, he tells me, like, inside clues. Yeah, like clues. Like, have you tried looking under that rock? And yeah. then I'm like, thanks, mystic mongoose. Yeah. 
but nobody else can hear them except for me. Yeah. And they think maybe I'm a little loopy. Yeah. Sure. It's but, pretty avant-garde for a Saturday morning children's TV show, but, but we uh, went with it. We shouldn't have hired a Dutch director. <laughs> I may have taken Lars it. von Trier presents <laughs> Uncle Glenn and Company. Lars von Trier presents Scooby-Doo. Let's see who you really are, mister. Oh, God, I ripped his actual face off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just an extra joke for me. Um, but we have all of these uh, wonderful and uh, edifying media projects we want to do. But uh, we're going to need people to sign up for Richbox. That's right. Main thing. That's uh, going to be our main funding source. And still, that sweet, sweet grant money comes rolling in. But yeah. the NEA just doesn't recognize our genius. Absolutely. Yet. When Willem Dafoe is cast as Glenn Fitzgerald in wow. Lars von Trier's uh, Uncle wow. Glenn and Company, yeah. wow. that's when it's going to take off. Yeah, just yeah. really intense performance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah there's yeah. no doubt about that. So, uh, and of, of course, once we hit that critical number of uh, patrons, yes. Richbox supporters, uh, patrons of the arts, if you will, we will uh, certainly be kicking off these projects. But as for now, we'll continue to hire uh, ever more and more part-time employees and products of our ministry. We we're talking uh, just before we went on about some friends of ours who are in the pipeline for uh, our deacons program, who we actually met in Cook County Jail and got out and doing great stuff and already doing ministry. And we want to support those folks. And we are able to do that because you support us. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You get sermons, songs, Bible studies, and all sorts of stuff. And we are recording a little bit early, and I don't remember what month this is going to come out in, but there's a good topic every month. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be relevant to your life. Yeah, uh, I think so. We've had stuff about money, about sex, about uh, guilt, about letting go of bad relationships, all sorts of big questions, and you'll hear sermons, songs, Bible studies, etc. on them. Head on over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and check it out for yourself. So what, so what you do is... You just punch it in later. So you say, this month we'll be talking about insert topic here. Yeah, exactly yep. right. This yeah, page good. intentionally left blank. Yes. This mat intentionally left blank. Uh, so all that, we have all that good stuff for you. We're going to jump into our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang on with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways you can get touch with us. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I am a serious, serious, say that super fan. Whoa. That's correct. That's, that's correct. Double serious. Yeah. That's, that's super serial, yes. y'all. If you if you're a say that super fan, you better be serious. Exactly right. No yeah, we don't want just one serious. That's right. We need to double down on the serious. Double serious super fan. If you're a jet, you're a jet all the all way. All the way. I've heard that. Yeah. I think that's Shakespeare. Ominous think, snapping. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> <laughs> serious, serious that super fan. And I need the crew's help. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend is cheating on me. Uh oh. I still saw on his phone that pretty much proves it. I don't know what to say to him or even if I should say anything. I am shocked and disappointed. It's like, how could this even happen? So we obviously do want to talk specifically about uh, our friend situation right in, but I think we're also going to, as we go through this topic, uncover some stuff about just general uh, when you've been wrong, when you've been deceived, which even if you've never mm-hmm. been cheated on a relationship, that's going to apply to everybody. But let's, let's talk about the breakup aspect, the moving on aspect. And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, uh, let's start out by saying um, we are so sorry for what's happened. Um, sorry to hear about this and for what you're going through. Um, I, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody on the show, but I know that I know that I've been cheated on before uh, in dating relationships, and it sucks. It is an awful, awful feeling. It's terrible. I'm sorry that you're going through this. Um, in case you're just needing, uh, you know, just that kind of finality of some encouragement yes you should push on you sh- you should move right on 
Um, dating is not marriage. You don't. You shouldn't feel any kind of compulsion to really get down there and figure out. Do you know? Should we? Should we work this out and have some reconciliation? I would just move on. And and the way that, and this is you know, depending on your age, this is the thing that gets difficult for for folks who are younger. And I see this a lot because we are now connected to each other. You know, people are now connected to each other in so many different ways. You know, there's you know you know, four or five different medias social that, that folks, you know, nice. follow each other on and stuff like that. And what I would say is not only do you need to push on past this relationship, but you need to block the phone number and unfollow and just get, make this clean. Um, and, and one of the things that you say in the question, and this is what I really want to focus on is you're saying, you know, I, I'm shocked and I'm disappointed. And I, I feel like I want to have this follow-up conversation and find out what in the world happened, like what happened with us. And the thing that I would say to you is, um, if you were one of my closest friends, if you were one of the guys I was discipling or something like that, in any kind of situation, I would say to you, do not try to figure out why this happened from his perspective. I would say, don't have that conversation. Let me tell you why. Um, you feel shocked and disappointed and hurt, and that's exactly that's exactly appropriate. What you need is you need some awesome girlfriends around you that you can hang out with, that can that can you can vent to, that will uh, you know take vows of revenge with you against this dude, the whole thing, and yep. you you need to be able to talk about all of that and and work out the way that you feel with your friends, okay? Because here's what's going to happen. And I've seen this happen ad nauseum over the years in working with young folks in dating relationships is if you try to have that conversation with him, the one thing that you know right now before you go into that conversation is he is a manipulator. You know that right now. So what you're going to find out is if you try to have that conversation, I promise you, you'll walk out of that conversation going, wait a minute, how did this become my fault? Like, I right. just got blamed for that whole thing. He will deflect this thing. He will push it on you in some way. You will wind up being the reason and the cause for the whole thing. I absolutely promise you that's going to be the situation. So what I'm saying to you is let's not try to process the hurt through his version of the story. Just push on. And let's do the processing of the hurt and the shock and the disappointment, which all that is appropriate. You should feel all that. You should say all of it. Work through it with your friends, but don't try to get those answers from him because he's not going to, he's not going to give you a straight answer. He may not even understand himself. Mm -hmm. There's a million reasons that people do the stuff that they do, but we don't need to try to process what you're feeling, which is appropriate and complicated, and you are going to feel better eventually, but don't try to process that through his version of the story because we already know that he's deceived you. So we don't want to give him an opportunity to do that further. And and kind of deepen or confuse the ways that you're already hurting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really a fantastic point. It's a great place to start off. Um, Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up there with there's one important point of this, which uh, definitely applies in this situation. And if our friend decides to have any contact with this dude, any kind of, and Lee is giving very good general advice there. Now it will be said, I must be said that we don't know the specifics of the situation of how right. serious the relationship is. Not even really what you mean by cheating. We're assuming that means a certain level of physical mm-hmm. uh, whatnot. So uh, in, in the abstract, if we're talking about per- a person who this is the only – I read the question as it came in. This is the only people have. Lee's giving exactly the right advice. But let's say there are whatever extenuating circumstances that would lead to someone wanting to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one of the things is almost certainly going to come up, and it's this is where a, a level of exactly that kind of manipulation that Lee's talking about can happen is you shouldn't have gone through his phone. Right. That could be true, and you could still be super pissed that he cheated on you. Yes, that's right. Uh, that, there, that's, uh, it's not like if you can zing me while I'm pointing out something wrong to you that that's like even up, like our guilt cancels each other out. It's not an episode of Law and Order dating. Yeah, you you don't, you don't get a free objection. That's right. You don't get a free cheat because I snooped on your phone. That's <laughs> that Snapchat is inadmissible. Yeah, that that's actually not how anything in the entire world works. Yeah. So that's you know we we can throw that right out. Uh, you, you say on here, and we're as Matt is saying here, we're assuming uh, that when you say you 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 saw stuff that pretty much shows that he was cheating. We're assuming that means, you know, pretty damning evidence where it's mm-hmm. conclusive. Uh, Absolutely right. And it should be said, you actually do get to set the your own barometer for what cheating is. Thank you. Yeah. So yes. it's something yeah. that violated that. If it was, yeah. if it was a, somebody sending a picture of a right. certain type of picture, even if there's no physical contact, if you decide that's cheating, you're right. Yeah. That, that's cheating. Yeah. But that's right. We're assuming it's something that pretty truly clipped whatever your line is. That's exactly right. Um, Let's look at this from the standpoint, and I want to reiterate what what Lee is saying. This is awful, and and we're really, really sorry that this is happening to you. And for sure, it makes perfect sense that you'd be shocked by this and sort of knocked back on your heels and what do I need to do about this? Mm -hmm. But let's look at this from the standpoint of... What are the why why are we confused about not dumping him? You know what what would make what would be the other thing that we would put on the other side of that scale uh, to say well you know let's not well that stuff starts to you know it's not stuff that makes sense but it starts to be maybe based in a little bit of bad theology mm-hmm. and bad Christian talk about relationships and dating. Uh, so if I just broke up with them rather than trying to work it out, then that's like divorcing someone as soon as things get wrong with the relationship. Here's the thing. That's not how marriage works, and that's not how dating works at all at all. Right. Uh, here's the thing. I've, I've worked with married couples where they had where a cheating type of thing took place. Uh, I've worked with married couples where, you know, one's incarcerated and isn't going to be able to be a good husband, and, and the, the wife wants to wait for him and ride that out and whatever. And it's a very dramatic and wonderful story that they can tell afterwards about hanging in there and working through their problems and, and making that work. And that's great. But you should not take from that that that's what should be done in each of those circumstances. Right. But And then that's just marriage. Mm. In dating, holy cow, not even, don't think twice, don't look at it, don't talk about it, don't whatever. That's it. It's over. Mm-hmm. This is, that's right. The, if ever there's a deal breaker, this is it. Uh, it's better for him to have a good, solid, hard breakup where he is flat dumped for this behavior so he understands the consequences of his mm-hmm. action. You're doing him a favor as much as you are yourself. Uh, and finally, along the same lines, it's you are infinitely better off being on your own and finding somebody else than trying to work something out with somebody Thank who you. has issues that you're going to enable instead of compelling him to make those changes. Being single sucks. Be, waiting and trying to find someone uh, that you want to be with can suck. 
it's it can be a challenge. It can be frustrating, but all of it is better than putting up with something that that that's a detriment to you. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And again, I want to Glenn did a great job lining this out here. I want to reiterate this again. We are not giving advice what to do if your spouse cheats on you. That's exactly because that's not the question. And as we pointed out many times, dating, even serious dating and marriage, right. are. Uh, Logistically, legally, and theologically, entirely different arrangements. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we're saying if your boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on you, it there there'd have to be a crazy compelling reason not to break up with them. Right. Don't hear us getting caught in any way. Well, we're telling married people what they have to do one way or the other. Because right. right. Glenn points right. out, there's way too much trying to simplify this yeah. down to well, if 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 A then B kind mm-hmm. of. And it's not the way human relationships work, but we can be clear in a dating relationship. As we've talked about many times in the show, there are things that a healthy Christian dating relationship must have, and cheating violates pretty much all of them as far as the trust and the intimacy Mm -hmm. and the respect. So that's where we're coming from on that. Don't hear Mm -hmm. us saying anything about people who went back and uh, saved their marriage about being suckers or whatever. Right, right. Don't don't read that into what we're saying. And Jen, I'd love to get you to close out here, and maybe let's move past the relationship Mm -hmm. dynamic here, because I think these guys did a great job covering that. And let's just look at the idea of needing to have an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Um, there is, as, uh, Glenn has uh, developed theory that he's passed on to you that you have, uh, walked me through many times, which is the idea of there really needs to be two separate stages of this because you don't really have the emotional energy to do two. And one is deciding this conversation needs to happen. Yes. And that has been decided. Yes. And then we need to figure out how to have that. Can, I don't think most people think of it that way. Can you walk through that kind of thinking of that as a two independent things? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's what we're looking at. This actually applies to a lot of life. It's going to apply to a number of things we're talking about on today's episode. But when you need to have a hard conversation with someone, so that could be a breakup, that could be quitting your job, uh, that could be leaving a church, uh, that could be a friend that has been misbehaving and you need to confront them, but a hard conversation. One decision that you have to make is, do I need to have this conversation, yes or no? Mm -hmm. Does this step need to be taken, yes or no? Regardless of what the conversation actually looks like, the nitty-gritty details, do I need to break up with this person, quit this job, leave this church, you know, confront this this associate? Do I need to do that? Full stop. Is that a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Completely separate is, how do we actually do that? How do we actually sit down and have that conversation? And the thing that comes up, the reason it's important to look at those separately is the thing that happens for a lot of people is they can't imagine how they would have that conversation, so they kind of decide to not have that conversation. Right. This leads to huge problems. Here's the funny thing. A poorly executed breakup conversation for a breakup that needs to happen is infinitely better than not having the conversation and not yes. breaking up. Yes. Infinitely, infinitely yeah. better. Yeah. Like there's yeah. there's no there's no comparison. The best let's say two things. The first is no one is good at hard conversations. Nobody. Mm-hmm. There there is no such thing as that. Right. Second, no one enjoys hard conversations. That's right. Um uh, there there may be someone somewhere those people have issues. Right. Right. Um <laughs> the best that you can hope for is to be direct to be um, uh, uh, firm, to be honest to an extent that makes sense, and to be brief. That's, that's mm. the best that, you, that anyone actually can hope for. But where it begins, Matt, just as you were implying, is deciding this step must be taken. 
That decision right. is over. I have thought it through. I've prayed it through. I've talked to my girlfriends. I have talked to my youth leader. I am breaking up with this dude. Full stop. Mm-hmm. That is going to happen. That has been uh, decided. Now we can look at what does that actual conversation need to look like? You know, right. what are the and and from all angles, you know, where do we want this conversation to take place? Mm-hmm. Um, hint: It should not be at his house. Um, right. You know, public place is always a good idea for this kind of thing because it lessens the likelihood of truly weird, truly out of control behavior. Uh, do I want to bring someone with me as backup? Maybe they're just going to be sitting off to the side, you know, minding their own business unless things start to get out of pocket. That's a very good idea. Uh, what time of day do we want to look at for this? How long of an interaction is this? Is this a five minute conversation? Is this an hour and a half conversation? Mm-hmm. Do I want to give him a chance to speak at all? In other words, is this something where I want to say, you cheated on me, I'm leaving you, it's over, and then I get up and walk away? Or do I want to say, I'm almost certain you cheated on me, I'm leaving, but just for the sake of argument, do you have anything to say for yourself? There, you know, there right, could right. be reasons to do that. But you can walk through all of those logistical details and come up with the best plan that you can, which, again, won't be perfect. There's no such right. thing as a perfect logistical plan on this. But you can come up with a good plan and a plan that you can execute and a plan that you'll feel good about. But the way that we do that is by deciding for First, what the outcome is yes. going to be. I am yeah. leaving this dude. Yeah. And again, it's not just relationships. I'm leaving this dude. I'm quitting this job. I'm leaving this church. You know, whatever the yeah. thing is. Now I'm putting together a plan for how to do that as best I can. Nobody's yeah. perfect. I'm going to go. I'm going to execute that plan. I'm going to move on. But make that decision first and then figure out the how and the implementation. Yeah, I think sometimes there's a tendency to flip the order on that mm-hmm. so that you say, well, if I was going to say something, what would I say? Right. And you can't figure that out. So you never ask yourself whether you should or not. Exactly right. And things just linger. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. And you, you may have noticed, and for good reason, that uh, th- this the answer to this question has been a little light on the God talk. Yeah. So it's not really a God thing. It's, a, it's just a right. crappy fact of life. Now, there is tied up in that, as, as Lee and uh, Glenn were pointing out, this is you have to get clear, and this has to come from the Lord about what you deserve in a relationship, what you're willing to put up with, and there's a, mm-hmm. certainly a self-image aspect of that. But also there's a, there's a faith aspect in what Jed's bringing up here, and this idea of this is a thing that has to happen. For me to have the life that I think God has put before me, I've prayed that up, I've gotten some smart people on that, the Bible is very clear about ways people deserve to be treated, so all those three three separate aspects we talk about of hearing from the Lord have lined up. Um it's important to, in yourself, try to solidify that. Hmm. And then, uh, and I was, I was just uh, pulling together a, a quote, I think, for the blog, and Glenn was saying something about this, of too many people think, as you're saying, that faith comes first, and then right. I fill up on faith and decide to do the thing. Mm-hmm. In the same way, if, if I have the faith, I'll get the magic words, and then I'll go into this good plan. When it really is the other way, if you, can, if you say, this is a bad situation— and I don't want to have a breakup conversation, but that needs to happen, or I don't want to leave the job, or I don't want to, you know, tell this person they're acting out of pocket, whatever. That's where the faith part comes in, is in that this has to happen. Now I have to rely on God to give me yeah. a healthy, productive, right way for this to happen. And that's really what we're looking at. And exactly as Jed's saying there, if you can get uh, your mind around that, as well as the self-esteem things, the being better off, as Glenn is talking about, those, those are aspects of this question that everybody can incorporate into uh, moving on, and that's going to do you very well as you move on in life. All right, we're going to move on to our second question here. comes in anonymously. Actually, it does not come in anonymously. Uh, we reused this. This was a bridge topic mm. uh, last, uh, mm. last week at our bridge service. So one of our guys in the service, every week we have three pastors from around the city and one of our staff people 
Uh, actually, there won't be a recording of this going on the podcast, because so this is our, our, our uh, fellow staff person and friend Pete. Mm-hmm. So since you won't hear this Preach on the Bridge podcast feed, I thought this is a very interesting topic and one that it's worth uh, bringing back for the show here. And a guy wrote into the Bridge service and said, My boss was nice at first, but over time, she's getting more and more rough with me. I do a good job. But I can't be. But it can be discouraging sometimes. The way she's always pushing me and won't let me handle things. I tried talking to her about it, but I don't know if that's helping or not. Any advice? So again, uh, there's specifics here, but everybody's been in this situation, be it a, a boss or a director of a ministry or something. And some would say, I really feel like I could get at this more if this person wasn't boxing me in. Glenn, what, what do we say about that? Well, first and foremost, we have to manage our expectations. You mm-hmm. know, in some cases, uh, you may have a really good, uh, uh, close knit family. Let's say that you're a part of, and within that family. Uh, you know, your parents may hand out tasks with a certain politeness and respect to you, and then you get to work and they don't have that. You may be used to uh, interacting with people at church, and there's a basic kind of politeness and nurturing quality to those relationships, and you go to a job site and there's just somebody barking at you and yelling at you and telling you mm-hmm. to do things. And you think, you know, for heaven's sake, this is seems subhuman, sure. you know, for heaven, you know, just for crying out loud, how how do we get to this point? You but know? we're living in a society here. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we certainly wouldn't blame you for being displeased with that kind of thing. Uh, but that's the thing is, uh, it, it, there, there's a reason why you they pay you to do it is because it's not a, a, a pleasure cruise. This isn't f- for your edification. If or, people w- would do this just for the joy of the experience, they wouldn't have to pay you to do that's it. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it, it, I'm not trying to tell you to just suck it up. That yeah. I, I wouldn't want anybody to tell me that. Uh, but it's it's a reality of we have to manage what are our expectations for the situation. The, a, a job involves uh, a mean little person just yelling at you all day and telling you what to do. I it, know mine does. <laughs> watch it. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, in point. Uh, but uh, you know that the, the occasionally you find a really great job where that isn't true, and you thank God for that. Uh, but it's important for us to 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 recognize the relationship we have with God, with our, our fellow Christians, and uh, even sometimes our own friends and family is nothing like the relationship we have uh, when when we're at work. I think the other big problem that we see with people who kind of struggle with their employment is there's a tendency to kind of create your own goals, to mm-hmm. define for yourself what it is you should be doing here. Uh, when I talk to people about I'm having problems at work, I say, well, okay, what's the problem? Well, we're supposed to be doing X, but the boss keeps telling me to do Y. And if I do Y and I don't do X, then we're not going to get done what we're supposed to get done. So I'm going to keep doing X even though he's telling me to do Y and he keeps yelling at me. I think I'm going to get fired. Okay, here's the thing about that. You're creating, you're making up your own goals. The yep. person who's in charge of you, the supervising you, whatever they're telling you to do, you do that. If things go wrong, then that's on him mm-hmm. or her. If things go right, well, then everybody can rejoice. But yep. it's the joy, and it should be this, the joy of not being in charge is it, it's not on you to fix everything, solve every problem. You can simply follow the instructions as given to you. It's really important for us to look at, as Christians, uh, being having a servant-minded attitude 
mm-hmm. where you aren't the one making the big decision of what should we be doing here, but rather I'm doing this work in such a way that I'm pleasing to my boss. Mm-hmm. My boss can hand things off to me, and he can trust that I'll take care of them, trust that they're done thoroughly, trust that they're done his way, not my way, and that I have the humility to do that. That's really important. That is a fantastic place to start. And I, uh, Jed, I'd love to get you to pick us up right there. I think there is something... Uh, Jed and I do a fair amount of media stuff that involves uh, subcontracting that out to people, designers or uh, uh, computer programmers or whatnot. Um, there does seem to be a thing, and I think it will apply to a lot of the folks in the age range who listen to this show, of the the, the allure of the big idea. Yeah. Of, is instead of doing what Glenn's saying, being servant-hearted, and there's a, a godly virtue of humility that may be the thing missing here, the idea that if I come in and revolutionize, yeah. disrupt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to disrupt dishwashing at yeah. this restaurant. Right. And make me CEO tomorrow. I've been there. There's there's some level jumping there that um, I th- I think, again, this doesn't seem like very spiritual talk, but I think there's something spiritual at the germ of that, of this idea of my goal is to come in and be awesome. Yeah. And everyone will react to my awesomeness. And what's the problem with that thinking, and how do we anesthetize that? That's a great question. Well, let's let's start here as a way of, of answering that question. Glenn said this, and he's right, and it really bears repeating. No matter where you work, no matter what your title is, two things are true. A, you have a boss. Right. Everybody has a boss. Yes. B, your job is to keep your boss happy. Yep. I want to be crystal clear on this. It actually doesn't matter what your job description says. Right. Doesn't matter what HR has on file. Um, it, it, all else is irrelevant. Your job is to keep your boss happy. That's it. In, no matter where you work, it doesn't matter. This is true in all jobs everywhere. Um, I think, Matt, to your question, what's the, what's the spiritual stuff is that does not feel... It's hard for me to feel good about myself off of that. Right. Because that's, right. that's yeah. not really me doing impressive stuff or big right. stuff. I mean, right. that is actually, in a, in a fairly literal way, that's me being a servant. Right. That is, that is me serving what could be the whims of another person. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't give me a lot of good feels about myself. Because, you know, if I was the thinker of big thoughts, I wouldn't have to uh, serve the whims of another person. Nobody treats Zuckerberg like this. Exactly right. But this is the thing, and the Bible makes this point a lot, is everybody's serving something. There, there, there is no true free agency in life. Yeah, no, nobody is is a truly free person. We all serve Definitely. something. Um, so you can you can serve the Lord, or you can can serve not the Lord. You can serve with a glad heart, or you can serve with a stubborn heart, but you're mm-hmm. still going to be serving because that's that's all we've got in this world. The thing that I think is worth looking at as it relates to this question, and Matt, to the the sub-question that you're posing, is can this boss be made to be happy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that something that can happen? I've had jobs, uh, I bet plenty of people listening have had jobs, where the answer is no. Mm -hmm. I have a boss. My job is to keep this boss happy. They can't be made to be happy. Right. Right. Happy is not a mode they have. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then the thing that we really want to look at is, is it time to move on to a different job then? Exactly. Um, We need, it's similar actually to our previous question. There's a big, there's a big picture question we need to answer here, which is, is it time to move on or not? Mm -hmm. If I'm in a job where this person can't be made to be happy, we need to be aware that's a ticking time bomb. 
Yeah. It's it's kind of only a matter if my boss is never happy, it's only a matter of time till that blows back on me in a fairly major way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's best to be ahead of that. You know, if mm-hmm. this is going to result 3 months from now in them firing me, better to find something else now. If it's a job where they can be made to be happy and it's a job that makes sense for me to have, you know, pays decent, the benefits are all right and the hours are good and whatnot, then we want to look at why am I struggling with doing the things that would make them happy? Right. You know, now part of that could be that sense of I have big ideas and people should see that I have big ideas and they should embrace that and let my big ideas come to life. That that definitely, I think, for a lot of people is a is a very big part of it. The other thing can be, too, do I know how to do that? I mean, practically speaking, do I know how to do the things that will make this person happy? Generally, when we're struggling, if we, if we have an employment situation where the boss is a semi-reasonable person, they, they can be satisfied, but we're struggling with that, it's generally a combination of attitude in terms of, I'm the one with big ideas, they should just receive my big ideas, and, and, and know-how. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to do that. Well, here's, here's the, the two-step part on that. To whatever extent this is attitude, in other words, I'm the one with big ideas, people should embrace that, your day will come. If you will have a job and make the boss happy, they will promote you. Mm-hmm. And if you make that boss happy, they will promote you. And if you make that boss happy, they'll promote you. You will have a job ultimately where in order to make the boss happy, you must have big ideas. Right. That, that day is coming. That day is not today. That's no one's first job is to have big ideas. But that, right. that day right. is, is coming, so we can, we can have some peace about that. But the second part about it is it's actually most reasonable bosses, nothing will make them happier than you saying, I want to make you happy. How do I do that? Right, right, right. I want to take problems off of your plate and make solutions out of them. I want to make your life easier. How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Tell, you know, to practicality, tell me how. If you've got a job where you're asking those questions and the boss says, well, that's stupid, I don't want that, find a new job. If, if, you're, yeah. if you're saying, I actively want just to make you happy, just whatever you want, if they can't articulate that, well, then we probably are in a um, find a new job situation. But I think starting with that big picture of, is it time to stay? Is it time to leave? And then figuring out how to implement that is probably the right way to go. I think you're absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love to get you to close this out. Kind of on that thought, because I think it does speak to another aspect of this, which will help in that distinction, which... No, we're not supposed to get our identity from our job and being amazing at our job isn't supposed to be right. kind of the thing that makes us aware of Christians. But there is a role for um, in a healthy Christian life for a certain type of fulfillment from your employment. Mm. And maybe Lee, uh, Glenn started us off by talking about expectation management. Maybe you, you could take us there and just if you're someone not not a necessarily a ministry job, that's that's kind of a different thing. But there are aspects of this will apply to that. Um, yeah. That idea of I go, I contribute something here, I get something out of it. What is a healthy balance in that look like in part as part of our spiritual life? I think one of the things that that we could look at on that is, um, you know, I'm a person that deserves respect. Um, I'm a person that respects other people. I'm a person that is, uh, like these guys are saying, I'm willing to serve. I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to do that. I'm able to, uh, I, I'm able to, uh, uh, you know, put myself in a position to set other people up well. I, I want to, if I've got other people around me, I want to make sure that they know I'm a person that listens to them. I'm a person that, I'm a person that, uh, you know, shows what, you know, brings other people along so that they feel built up and that kind of stuff. These are the kinds of things that as you're, if you have somebody that's over you, as a boss looks at, looks down at you, um, you know, this is the kind of person that we would want to, you know, bring up or promote and and all that kind of stuff. But as you're looking at like your spiritual life, what does my job say about me? Well, it's a really interesting question because 
in some ways, in some ways, your job doesn't really say anything about your spiritual life in the sense of the the kind of stuff that we heard when we were kids. Like if you think about like um, we and we've talked about this before on the show, this idea of the thing that we all heard when we were kids was you work hard at school and you get good grades so you can go to a, a good school so you can get an amazing job where you make tons of money so that you can buy a big fat house and give your kids a better life than you had. And we've talked about before how that's not actually anything true. Um, it doesn't have to do with your your place in the spiritual realm. It doesn't, doesn't say anything about you. If you have a job... Um, whatever that job is, you know, your achievement or your accomplishment or your money or anything like that, that doesn't do anything to your spiritual self. Um, if you know Jesus, you are a child of God, period, the end. So if you have a job, if you have a job where you make four times as much money as me, well, that doesn't say anything about your spiritual life as opposed to mine. And I think that what a lot of people do is they look at that they look at their job as a as you know at their salary at their advancement at their achievement at their status as a way to say something about them so if they feel like i'm in this kind of situation i need to improve it so that i can feel better about myself in this way or that way and man that's a dead end road yeah. it's it's a road that's not going to get you anywhere and it's a road that's not going to allow you to have the kind of servant mentality that that Jed and Glenn are talking about Whereas if you see the situation, like if you see it the way these other brothers are talking about it, then you can say, uh, like, like Jed's saying, everybody serves somebody, as you know, the social philosopher Robert Zimmerman taught us. Everybody serves somebody, right? So everybody's got a boss. Every, that levels that whole playing field, yep. which means that I can look at that and say, well, I'm... I'm a servant, that person's a servant. If the money doesn't say anything about us spiritually, uh, if the achievement doesn't say anything about us spiritually, let's look at what actually does. The humility, the serving, yeah, yeah. the kindness, the ability to look at other people Hello. and bring them up and teach them and you know and and uh, recognize what's what's good and trainable and multipliable in other people. That kind of stuff. This that's the kind of stuff oddly that's going to get you promoted as these guys are saying. That's the kind of stuff that's going to bring you up if you know how to serve other people, if you know how to make other people happy and if you know how to bring out what's good in other people and develop other people. That kind of stuff. That's actually going to move you up the ladder faster than if your whole goal is just achievement and having everything, you know, whatever it is, money, ambition, having it your way. If we could look at this as a level playing field and then say, my goal is to be the person I'm, that, that God says I am. I'm a child of God, but I'm also a servant. And I'm, I look at myself with humility, and that enables me to, to see this whole thing the other way around. Like Jed's saying, if you got somebody that's unreasonable and is just flat out determined to disrespect you, that's a whole other thing. And as a child of God, you are, you are worthy of respect. You are worthy of being treated with respect. But you have to make sure that you're giving that respect, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amen. so there are some issues in here, and maybe a conversation needs to be had. Maybe it's time to push on. But 
if you can see yourself as a child of God, somebody worthy of respect, but somebody who is also humble and ready to serve, that's going to change the shape of this whole thing, I believe. Amen. Mm-hmm. I, it's absolutely the right place to land that. That is outstanding stuff. We are going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I feel like I'm angry all the time at the news, at people in my church, at Christians online. The thing is, I feel like I'm angry for good reasons. I feel like anger is the right response to a lot of what is happening. How do I deal with this? And Jed, why don't you kick us off? Well, um, I'm with you. So it makes perfect sense to me. Yep. Let's cover one detail of um, just theology and Bible nerddom for a second uh, so that we don't get any um actually emails. So the Bible differentiates between man's anger and God's anger. Um, and we, we want to be clear here. It, it, it says specifically that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. It, it, so it says a couple things that are, are they're not contradictory, but they, they require some subtlety and nuance. The Bible's clear that anger itself is not a sin. Right. So um, if you've got people in our telling you you shouldn't be mad because that's unchristian, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's right out. The Bible does say that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. But the Bible also points to the idea of godly anger or righteous right. anger, right. Um, such as Jesus displayed when he drove the moneylenders out of the temple. So mm-hmm. what, do we, what do we do with all that? Well, the first thing that we do is we acknowledge that it makes perfect sense that you are angry. There's a lot of awful stuff going on in the world, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's bad. It's, it's really, really, really bad. Uh, you're not imagining that. It makes sense to be to be angry. The thing that drives man's anger, generally speaking, is fear. Um, okay. Fear that someone is going to take something away from you. Yeah. Um, and it's not wrong to feel that, because again, feelings don't have a moral component, but it can pretty quickly, anger that comes from your fear can drive you to do some pretty wrong stuff pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so we do, we do want to be careful with that, you know, and ask the anger that I, that I'm experiencing, how much is this based on fear that we do? We want to keep that in check because again, we want to know God does not give us a spirit of fear. Fear That's does right. not come from the Lord. The Lord actually wants to free us from here, from fear. He says, do not be afraid. Righteous anger. God's anger is driven by love. Um, uh, when we see people that are being mistreated and we love them, that should arouse a certain amount of anger. Right. That's, that makes sense. Jesus experienced that. So what do we, now that we've established some of that, what do we do with all of that? Well, do is the key word. We want to right. do something. We want to take action. We don't want to just sit there and be mad because that doesn't help anybody. And I'd suggest two things for you to, to look at. The first is that one of the key things that drives feelings of anger is a sense of powerlessness. Um, so I would find arenas. I think you need to start looking and, and praying, asking the Lord to show you arenas where you can make a difference in someone else's life, where you okay. have the power to do something for somebody else. You can actually affect somebody else's life in a positive way, in a practical way. Yeah. The second thing that I have you look at is the nature of injustice. Here's the funny thing about injustice. You can't ever do something about the injustice you're facing. That's the nature of injustice. If you could, you would do it, and then you wouldn't be facing it anymore. If you're dealing with injustice in your life, your hands are tied. That's, that's the way that it works. You can only really do something about the injustice that other people are facing. Again, that's just the nature of how injustice works. I think you should take that anger that you feel and point it towards doing something about the injustice that people are facing around you. That could be near to you. That could be far away. There's a million ways to do it. But I would suggest one thing. 
do something about the injustice they face in a way that actively alleviates suffering. In other words, even if it's for five minutes, makes their experience of life better. Here's why I say that. Raising awareness is fine. It's lovely. There's nothing wrong with it. It can be a good thing. But on its own, it doesn't do anything. That's right. Raising awareness is only valuable when it ultimately leads to action Mm -hmm. and the alleviation of suffering in another human being's life. So, for example, is tweeting about things a good idea or a bad idea? It's fine, but not if that's the only thing that we do. Mm-hmm. It can be part of what we're doing, whether so, but it should not be the only thing. We want to take concrete physical action that results in other people, even for a little while, experiencing less suffering. Yeah, that could be a small thing on a small scale, but it can have a deep impact if it's real action in the real world. Absolutely right. So to give you a brief example before I, I kick this around, It's one thing to tweet and say, homelessness is bad, y'all, which it is. I agree. Everyone on this show uh, agrees. That tweet by itself doesn't accomplish anything. Right. That that actually doesn't do anything in the world. It's not bad, and we're not criticizing, we're just noting that by itself doesn't do anything. You going to a soup kitchen and ladling soup into the bowl of a hungry person has made their life better. Right. Has it transformed their life and, and changed the world? Well, not really. In a spiritual level, yes, it actually has. And, you know, in a material way, maybe not so much, but it has made their life better. That's right. It has given them something. It's a good start. It's a great start. And here's the funny thing. If you do that, and then the tweet is, homelessness is bad, therefore you should join me at the soup yes. kitchen and we'll all do this together. There you go. Now you're on to something. Right, right. Now you're on to something. And you, and recognize when you feel anger, to use that as fuel, to say, right. that's going to be my nudge. It's time for me to to get the next uh, date at the soup kitchen on the calendar and to get down there and to do the thing. That's great. So it's all about how do we use that anger? What direction do we point it in? If you point it in the direction of making other people's lives better and alleviating suffering, then you will have done something beautiful and made the world a better place. That's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic place to start off. And Leah, I'd love to to kick it to you on that idea. I think uh, Jed has pointed to something very important here, this idea that anger does not accomplish much. I think there is something it does accomplish that we need to look for better ways to accomplish. Mm. In that if you send out the tweet of homelessness is bad, that's not really an angry statement. It could sure. be a statement made out of anger. Sure. If you send out a tweet of uh, individual politician is a jerk who doesn't know what he's doing and is making people homeless and that's bad, true though it may be. Yes. Um it probably isn't going to solve any homeless people's problems. What it will do is get your other friends who are angry about the same thing to coalesce. Yeah. And lo, there shall be many likes and retweets. Mm. But even that has not really accomplished anything. That is awareness, as Jed said. Yeah. But how do we, I think there it's, There's an old idea that one of the easiest team building exercises is to pick one person that we all don't like and have a common enemy. Um, And anger does have that weird ability to bond people. Yeah. But I, which I think is a good thing. But Lee, if we're looking for uh, actually affecting people, actually helping, how do we create a real version of that cheap and easy angry bond? How do we create some real fellowship around doing the right thing? That's an awesome question. I think that one of the things that we also want to look at is you were saying that 
that the uh, the angry tweet um, or the pointed angry tweet may raise awareness. We should also say it may not yeah. raise any awareness. Yeah. Um, you may have, uh, you probably have followers who think very, very similarly to you in almost every way. Um, if they if they felt really really different from you, they probably wouldn't be following you anymore. So it's very possible that all the likes and the retweets actually didn't raise any awareness whatsoever. Um, that's not to say that your tweeting is completely useless, but it's worth looking at the idea that it may be completely useless. Um, <laughs> yeah. be it's open to the possibility. Let's be open to the possibility. Here's what I would say: is exactly where Jed led off, and I. I absolutely agree with every single piece of that. Exactly where Jed left off. If you will rewind and listen to exactly what Jed said and do that, there's an amazing change that will occur. Yes, you will go into that. You will get fired up and start your car engine and roll up your sleeves and go down to that soup kitchen because you're angry about just the the injustice of homelessness. And, And that will be so awesome. And then this unbelievable alchemy is going to happen when you ladle soup into somebody's bowl and they smile up at you and say, thank you. You are going to be filled with something else. Hmm. The anger is going to transform into joy. Yeah. And my friend, I can't express to you how much better that fuel is and how much more, not only how much more contagious that fuel becomes. Because when you change and you become a person like when you, when when I first, small example, when I first met Glenn, um, I was in college and uh, Christy and I had just gotten married. And uh, it turns out that uh, Glenn's wife is from my hometown. And, and so they came to talk, to, to hang out with her old cross country coach who was going, you know, to a, who had helped start the church that I was going to and everything. And all of a sudden we're meeting, hanging out. This brother's telling stories about doing prison ministry. This guy is lit on fire talking about this, you know, talking about what it feels like to do ministry behind bars. And I'm just sitting there looking at, and I I mean, it was electrifying to hear this guy being electrified, talking about the thing that he loved doing so much. Now, that whole thing probably started somewhere looking at an injustice and being like, man, this sucks and this world sucks and the people that cause this suck. But what happens is he goes in there and serves and all of a sudden Christy and I are in the you know, we're in the car going back to college and we're saying, let's give some money to this brother. Mm. Um, and, and his joy is contagious and we want to be a part of what this guy's doing. Let's join his team in this way. See, the thing is, is that the anger can lead you into action. If you will follow it into action, you'll find joy. And that joy is going to be um, an unbelievably contagious fuel that's combustible in ways that you can't even predict. If you will have, if you will serve Jesus in, in these real tangible ways, your joy, I promise you, your joy is going to start more efforts, raise more awareness, and bring about more good than any of the angry tweeting or anything mm. like that ever will. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's a really, really fantastic point here. And Glenn, I'd love to to go to you on the end of this. Um, I think this actually ties back in some ways to our a previous question. Yeah. Which so, there's a there's anger, which uh, Jed did a great job defining for us. There's also uh, as close cousin to that of frustration, which I think yeah. a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of kind of social media stuff, or even if you have a, a fight with a family member who just gives you on a certain amount of things, is maybe even more frustration than anger. Yes. In the sense of. 
and it, like all frustration, you think that this release of a pressure valve is going to get you back to equilibrium, which it really kind of does the opposite. But how do we how do we deal with the frustration of feeling like everybody should just get on this thing that I is yeah. clearly right yeah. that I'm on, and the Bible says it. And right. right. Holy hell is wrong with all you people. Yeah. So how do you take that and make something useful out of it? Well, there, there's a number of things. Uh, uh, the first thing that I say to pastors that I work with is that it's not enough to be right. You yeah. can write about this thing, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you know how to communicate, you know how to deal with it, you know how to work with it. Are there people who of particular denominations, maybe that Ryan Bush reformed, who have a real <laughs> issue with that? Oh, yes. Uh, I was going to a, let's call it Schmesbeterian church. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and then, you say there's a direct correlation between number of John Piper books on your shelf and how <laughs> weird a face you get at it's not enough to be right. Well, yes, that's for sure. That's but, just science. Schmon Schmiper. But the the interesting <laughs> other side of that coin is when lay people find out that I talk with pastors, they all want to coach me on what to tell pastors. Oh, that's delicious. Yeah. Yes. And it's and the, the, the in case you're wondering, friends, no one more than said pastor's wife. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Getting Glenn's ear on what this dude needs to tell. The most, and I mean, this is number one with a bullet. The most frequent thing that lay people tell me to tell pastors is, stop talking about what makes you angry. Yes. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed that it, it would be the thing. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know if I really realized what people meant by that until I hear a sermon here or there where this guy's angry about something. I'm like, uh, hey, Pastor, what does this have to do with me? Yeah, you know? I'm not angry about <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, you, we're not here to he- hear about what's going on in your head. We're talking about what's going on in my head. That's that. This, this is a service for me. You're serving me. You know. Which and there's a there's another point on that. It's that same thing of if it is something blatantly evil that's happening. Yeah, we know you're angry. Right. I didn't right. have to get out of bed and come down here that's right. to hear that you're angry about this awful thing. That's right. So for, for what's weird is having that thought, that dynamic in your mind, and then reading what people post on on their on their social media, it is I'm angry about this and I want to talk about it. And it's like okay, but what where's that going? Is that something that people want to hear about? Is that is that something that's that's doing something? Um and I want to know how much of this is really about – you You talked about anger kind of turning into frustration. And in my mind, the next thing that comes in that chain is being opinionated. Yeah. yeah. I got opinions. I got opinions. Awesome. And uh, now we're talking about stuff re- people really, really don't want to hear. Yeah. But here's here's what happens when we get to that place of uh, of opinionated – that turns into well, you know what I would do. Tell me, what would you do if I was running things? I could fix this in in thirty days. You know, do you have a secret plan? Yes, I, I, I got to tell secret. those two sides that disagreed on this for longer than I've been alive. Hey, 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 hey. right? Figure it out. Knock it That's off. Right. I, I, you know, if I was running things, I'd fix that right away. But here's the thing: we've all done that. I mean, you're around the water cooler at work. Sure. You know, I hey, you know, I just, I, you know, if I was in charge, I would just tell people this, and everything would work out. You know, okay, sure. That's we, again, we've all been there. We've all done that. But here's the funny thing, uh, people on the internet, is I've lived long enough to get in the position where somebody says, "Okay, what would you do?" Yeah. 
Uh-oh. I'm desperate. And Tell me. That is a horrible moment. I was profoundly unprepared for this eventuality. I mean, the humility hits you like a Mack truck in that yeah. in that moment. Uh, just a, a point to illustrate, uh, I, I, I am a serial griper about what happens in church, and particularly on the subject of outreach. That's what we do uh, as sort of our big key thing, and churches really, really don't do and don't do well. Uh, big mainline denomination has their headquarters here in Chicago. Uh, they brought me in. They sat me down. I didn't really know uh, exactly what the agenda was. And they were basically saying, we, we like what you do with outreach. We don't do it as well as you do it. Tell us how to do what it is that you do. Uh, because we have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem in getting that done. And when they laid out, I, I mean, there, it's easy for me to do it because I've set myself up to do it. I don't have the same problems that yeah. they have. This so, is more complicated than you thought. It, a, a heck of a lot more. And they lay it out. I'm like, well, I don't know how to solve that. That sounds like a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Can I fire everybody? That's what yeah, I that's, do when I have you problems. Know, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, but it, it, And yeah, you within that, here's what you find is, A, all your little uh, uh, water cooler solutions aren't going to do diddly squat. Uh, it, you can't wave a magic wand over it and make it work. You can't just fire everybody, as you say. You can't just strong-arm everybody into doing everything you want. That's a fantasy. It doesn't work out in real life. What you do find out is that you can give people simple principles and basic principles that always work and try and help them find things that apply. But all you got to get to humility to say, I don't know the answer to this, but here are some things that I, I think would, would help and would apply. Uh, uh, but I think ultimately, as these fellows are saying, uh, it's about getting in action yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one, one of my favorite pastors in the whole world uh, his favorite thing is talking about I'm not an expert and don't call me one. He will reject that as as a as a thing. Having that sense of humility, he wants to be a doer and not a talker. And I I want to be that same kind of guy. One of my biggest uh, uh, heroes is a civil rights leader named Vernon Johns, and his. A sort of key signature phrase was find a good fight and get in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, absolutely what we ought to be about as Christians. You know, Paul said, I, I fought the good fight. Uh, I think find your fight and make it a good fight to accomplish good things and get in it. Absolutely right. That is all really fantastic stuff. Um, the other thing, the other aspect of the advice, the great advice that all these guys gave you is it will do more good in the world to do these things. The other part of it is you will feel better. Yep. That's right. Um, yeah. Other people you hear on this podcast, I, I, I hesitate to lump Lee in with this, but he's, it's, he's also an offender. But Peter Three of Chicago, we are angry about almost everything all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, on a personal way. Now, uh, we're angry about pastors. Yep. Bless them denominations. A part of that is we just, we have the burden of knowledge. We are uh, just around more of those meetings than the average yep. person. So if you think mainline denominations in this country are screwed up, you don't know. Oh, uh, no, you don't know. Um, and on the political side, which obviously a lot of the saying is political, um, we, when you hear a thing about, you know, X, uh, you know, this federal program is going to get defunded. We actually know the people who are going to be homeless because that happens. Like, yeah, right. We've met them. We hang out with them every week. So there's a whole lot of anger. Oh, yeah. Um, we so the options on that, as these guys have laid out, are kind of wait until the world is perfectly just. Right. Could be a while. Then rest. 
that's a long-term strategy. Or uh, as another one of our uh, really uh, amazing bridge pastors uh, put it, do what you can where you are with what you have. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain um, piece that comes with that is only the, the only word for it. Because it, things are still boned yep. and you're still unhappy about it. Mm-hmm. And there are, you got to vent that out and you got to go have a cheeseburger and rant. But at the end of the day, if you've done what you can with what you had, you can you can relax a lot more than if you just got in kind of angry tweet canoes about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we don't joke about the uh, the ranting on social media only because we have Facebook feeds too. Yeah. And some of these people are killing us. Um, the ones we disagree right. with and the ones we agree with. To That's be, right. To be fair. Um. But you're you're going to feel a lot better if you do something anything that can be. Go to the soup kitchen. That could be sit with a lonely kid in middle school. That can be as yep. as Leah saying, find somebody who's doing something good and give them five dollars and say yep. something nice about our their shirt. Right. Yes, yep. as you as we pointed out before, if you have not heard one of our greatest ideas, that is the person who doesn't know how to give a compliment one two three step. Yeah, and that is give some level of cash. Yes, that could be as little as something, uh, pocket change. Say a nice thing. I like your shirt. And then leave. Yeah. Right. Your shoes look sharp. Here's a quarter. Bye. Yeah. You have successfully in- increased the level of goodness in the world. That's yes. right. It's and that it, is, it is a bunch of small things like that. No doubt about it. All right. We actually did an entire Bridgebox edition about this very issue of mm-hmm. dealing with your anger. That was in September 2015. So if you're a Bridgebox subscriber and you have it on your computer, good for you. Ah. It must be said, if you're a current Bridgebox subscriber and you, you didn't save your... You uh, you didn't store up your bridge box and storehouses where moth uh, may destroy and hightail may fail us. Um, you can email me, mattmissionsa.com. We have uh, some back issues available for you. One of them is our September 2015 edition of Bridgebox, which is all about what do I do with my anger. And we had a hip-hop track Ooh, for mm. such things. This features uh, our, this is a band we put together called the Deacons Division. features many amazing friends, our own Pete Lawson, our friend Cassie Taylor, a mystery deacon, uh, some very talented folks putting together a song exactly about this called Little Light. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, your source for wisdom, insight, and post-apocalyptic chewing gum. Yeah, I got a little light. It's just a little light. Itty bitty little light. Bit it a night light. You know what it look like. Pulling at your phone in the middle of the movie. Everybody know it on. Well, yeah, I got that Jesus light. You know you heard me right. Living bigs in the dark. It'll start. Heard me right.
I bring my little light to his feet, set it down. Say it's yours if you can use it. If he rolling, then I'm down. Now he's doing big things through his love inside of me, and I be loving everybody, cause I know he loving me. No, 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 no.